Welcome to our podcast, A Place Called Porch. I'm your host, Megan Zamora, and I invite you to kick back, relax, and enjoy the friendship, history, and stories of the Porch Band of Creek Indians. Welcome back to A Place Called Porch. This week, I sat down with Creek Indian Enterprise Development Authority's CFO, Chad Klink, and I found out just how their team is turning $2 million of seed money into a wonderful success story. We're excited to have our next guest with us on a place called Porch, Mr. Chad Klink. Chad is the CFO at Creek Indian Enterprises Development Authority. Chad, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. So, Chad, why don't we just start off by talking about um, how long you've been at CIE? October will be seven years. Oh, wow. I can't believe you've been there that long. It goes fast. It does. Um, And in that time, like, what are some things that you've seen happen? Like, where did CIE really start when you first came on board seven years ago? Where were they? CIE is a is a drastically different enterprise than it was seven years ago. Um, seven years ago, it was primarily focused on you know, running at more businesses and developing, doing construction projects for uh, PCI gaming. Um, seven years later, we have developed the biggest entertainment project in the Southeast with OA. We've expanded our hotel holdings, and we've started an entirely new division on government contracting. So, you know, seven years ago, we were looking at having a a farm and a wildlife preserve and, you know, an eye clinic. And, you know, now it's it's a true commercial conglomerate, you could say, you know, because we're government contracting, hospitality, and the OA development in Foley. And so it it has gone through a drastic change. What do you think has contributed to really this difference in direction? The council made a decision probably about a year before I arrived. I think 2014, they made a concerted effort to say we want to diversify our economic impact in the state and throughout the region away from just gaming. Now, they wanted to keep doing a lot of gaming developments and expand outside of Alabama and that also. But they also said, look, we know we need to put up a lot of money and resources to build a true diversified economy for the tribe. And and the, the tribal council has stood fast in the midst of oil spills and pandemics. And, you know, sometimes uh, the, the, the risk sounds a little more than it is, or, you know, it's a big leap to invest the hundreds of millions of dollars outside of gaming that the council has. But um, in, in uh, being complimentary of our CEO and chair lady, uh, Ms. Bryan, uh, and the council is all, all they've they've stood fast in their commitment to our diversification and and they've asked a lot of questions, but have been supportive of of Cody and I and the team the whole time. So Chad, for those who don't know, I think it's helpful for folks to understand when they think of the tribe, there's really basically like three areas of the tribe, right? So there's tribal government, there's Wind Creek hospitality, which is the gaming arm. And then there's Creek Indian Enterprises Development Authority, which everybody, you know, commonly refers to as CETA. And that is the portion of the tribe that's really focused on non-gaming businesses, right? 
Correct. That's exactly the way I've explained it to investors and bankers and and lots of people looking at the tribe as this giant enterprise and not being able to wrap their heads around it. You know, you have PCI Gaming, which everybody knows out front, and then tribal government supports, you know, a vast network of services to tribal members and and, and have a sizable organization that I don't people think people understand how complex tribal government is. And then CETA is there to to support um, the mission to diversify our economy away from just gaming. And it used to be primarily a jobs program, but now it's like, hey, let's create true wealth in areas outside of gaming. And and it's the third pillar of kind of the, the tribal structure. And so I'm one of three CFOs. The tribe has a CFO and gaming has a CFO. And and we're we're kind of the entrepreneurs of the group. We're over there looking for things that can make a good return for the tribe and maybe make an impact in the state and the region and and grow those businesses and bring in help as we need. So whenever people come to you with business proposals and ideas. First of all, how, how many business proposals do you think you get in like maybe a month? They come in various ways. We have a portal that people enter, enter things into and we have a business development person. And then there's Cody and myself that things funnel through. I would say probably 10 to 20 ideas come to us a month, but we, we had to really narrow our focus. We had people bringing us, it was like, it was like Shark Tank, if you've ever seen the show. <laughs> yeah. It was things that we just didn't have the expertise. And you really, we kind of said, hey, we, we've been in this hotel world. Cody, the CEO, has come from a hotel background. Um, we've The CETA currently oversees 14 hotels for the tribe. And we said, let's focus on hospitality, not just owning hotels, but maybe creating our own development company, creating our management company, supplying products to hotels, technology around hotels. And, and that was going to be a focus. And then the tribe has a lot of experience in real estate and, and developing, building things. They've built $2 billion between Wind Creek and CETA over the years. And so we, we said hospitality, real estate seems to be where we need to focus. And then Government contracting is there because tribes have a, a an advantage in procurement because they they're given preference in the government contracting world and if you you might ask some follow up questions where I can explain that a little more later but government contracting is a natural fit for tribal entities across the country and not a lot of them are taking advantage of it but but Mal McGee and I you know we really pushed that four or five years ago to to be one of the the things that CETA pursued and so. We've, with all the business plans that come in, we really just look for opportunities in real estate, hospitality, and government contracting. And when people bring in a new widget or, or just some pie-in-the-sky thing, we, we pretty much pass them on right now. Yeah. And, I mean, because you do, you have to be selective, right? Because the, the tribe can't go after every single thing that comes along our desk. So what is that? business evaluation process really look like so let's say that there is a that a a business proposal comes and it finally makes its way to you and cody how do you evaluate that we 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 really have a couple of meetings I, i i call it a a dating process where we want to meet the management team or the owners or the founders and and probably spend three or four months getting to know them if they come to us and say you've got two weeks to make this decision. I said, our tribe doesn't act like, doesn't act like that. You know, we have to get ourselves comfortable and then we bring them to our board, either the CETA board or the 
PCI Federal Services Board and get them comfortable. And then eventually we have to get it to the tribal council. And and they they want to do business with good people that they feel comfortable with. And so it's very, very important that we establish a personal trusting relationship. And during that, you know, we 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 start talking to them about their business and and looking at their financials and doing due diligence and we'll have our legal team do research on them with and and you know we find out a lot and if they stick through it and want to be our partner which we think we're a great partner in all our businesses then then it's time to start all right let's start putting a financial package together on how much money this will take and how long it'll be for our return and and then we take that to the board and council and it's probably a six to nine month process before we do an investment yeah it's it's not a quick turnaround time no if people come to us for next day we just send them away sure so let's back up a little bit and talk a little bit about where do you come from myself yes you um, I'm a, a good old Georgia boy celebrating a national championship. And so <laughs> it's been a heavenly year down here in South Alabama with all the Alabama fans. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a CPA by training and was in public accounting for a while. And then I was married to a tribal member and, uh, we started a chain of car washes and, and did very well with that. But decided I wanted to be part of something bigger. And so we sold the chain of car washes and, saw an opportunity with the tribe and and this looked like a great chance to show to use my accounting background and be kind of an entrepreneur which I consider myself you know at heart and and so the, the I kind of just came from a being the financial guy from a long line of businesses and then owning my own business to to working my way into the tribe so why finance when I was in college um a smart person told me that every company needs engineers and accountants. And so uh, accounting seemed like the best path to me. It wasn't some dream I had when I was really little. I was a junior in college and said, hmm, I need to pick one of these things. And Georgia didn't have an engineering school at the time, so I picked accounting. Gotcha. So <laughs> just kind of the, the cards kind of fell in your lap in yep. the right way. It's been wonderful. I mean, I, I do like accounting, so I have that nerdy math side of me that that does like diving into books and doing spreadsheets but i do enjoy the the very task i see with the tribe because i don't know if i'm gonna be looking at a hotel one day or a new ride at oa or a government contractor in washington or california so it's very exciting so what so you um you were married to a tribal member so that explains the connection that you had to porch what do you think um, specifically prepared you for that role as a CFO? I'd been controller in some pretty large companies, $100 million revenue, which controller is usually kind of the step before a CFO. Uh, CFOs usually come with a little more money raising experience and have dealing with bankers and investors a little more. So that's kind of the next step up. Luckily, the tribe, there's not much money raising that needs to be done because the tribe self-finances a lot of things. But I have ha- learned that the 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 banking relationship part because we do use debt to fund a lot of our projects along with the tribe's equity but um it just been growing up as controller of you know five or six different businesses which in and learning the accounting of i was in 
manufacturing for three years. I was in retail for, for a couple of years. I'd actually had a hotel business for a year. So when the CETA job came open, it was open for about a year and I kept seeing it and I said, my resume matches exactly with that job. And I said, but you know, it's five hours away in South Alabama and, uh, but I just couldn't resist, you know, the thought of working for for Sharon's tribe and my kids' tribe that, you know, they're first generation and, and helping and serving something besides just a single stockholder or private stockholders was, was really appealing to me. So the the job has a little fulfillment in it besides just, you know, growing a business. Is being the CFO at CETA everything that you thought it would be, or have there been some surprises along the way? I don't, I don't know how, if I would say it's a surprise. I, I, I've been pleasantly surprised more times than not of you know how supportive the council is, and and you know people may think there's a lot of disagreement, but when it comes from from where the tribes really go, and there's a lot more agreement than there's not, and you know so they their support has been been really good and. You know, that may have been a little unexpected from the outside looking in. You think, you know, maybe there's a lot of, you know, disagreement, but there hasn't been. You know, it's been a united front. We want to move the tribe forward. Bring us good deals. Don't worry about COVID. Don't worry about, you know, short-term things. We're looking out for generations from now. Um, But, but no, it's been, it's been great. So, um what would you say has been some of your proudest moments while you've been at CETA? What are some projects or um, endeavors that you've been a part of that you've seen kind of come to fruition that you're really proud of? Yeah, I could probably talk about this subject for a long time because there has been a lot of proud moments and you're so busy. You don't get to step back at times. And I'm sure you've seen that from the tribe too. You just own to the next thing and the tribe never gets to really celebrate all the major milestones. But just this week, you know, or two weeks ago, we opened the indoor water park at OA, which is a fabulous facility. It's one of the biggest uh, closed roof water parks in America. I mean, it's an amazing project. And it was actually my idea. <laughs> um, I stumbled across that building at a trade show f- four years ago and said, Cody, look at this thing. And then it, and then he was like, you're right. This is something we could really use at OA to take out the weather variable down there. That's been a problem. You know, it's thunderstorms in the afternoon. It's brutally hot at times and say, let's give people an indoor attraction. Um, so that's been, you know, exciting this last couple of weeks and, and seeing OA grow and finally starting to turn a corner, you know, because developing a project like that takes years and years and a lot of patience by the tribe or any investor. Uh, probably my proudest thing we've developed is, uh, as I mentioned before, Mal McGee and I started PCI Federal Services, um, the Itchkey companies. And, you know, we we had uh, – the tribe gave us $2 million of seed money to start Mal and I would just uh, – basically faith in Mal and myself to get this thing going. And, uh, and Mal's PR skills. Yeah. Mal's a good marketer. (laughs) And so we were down to our last $200,000 and we signed an $8 million contract with the uh, Navy and we made all that money back in 
like six months. And then we did a couple acquisitions and we've grown some more companies. And, you know, we just had an acquisition last week on, on, on that front also on Friday. And so, you know, we started with Mal as the first employee in 2017. And this year we should be 120 million in revenue, 800 employees and, you know, sizable enterprise. And, and, you know, it's, it's really great to see. And we we're, bringing tribal members and first gen into the organization and training programs. Uh, we've hired three tribal members in the last 12 months. Um, looking to, you know, bring one or two on a quarter as we grow this organization and hire some first gens also, because there's a much bigger pool of those looking for work than there is tribal members and just keep growing and, um, make a name for the Porch Creek Indians in fe- providing services to federal government and different federal agencies. That's really a remarkable story, honestly, Chad. I mean, that's a that's going from one employee, two million dollars, and then in five years, you guys have completely um, blown that thing through the roof. And I mean, that's that's really remarkable work. And kudos to you and Mal for having that vision and for putting forth, you know, that that effort and the, all of the diligence that goes into doing those federal contracts. Let's talk a little bit about what does Itchkey mean? Uh, when, when Mal and I were starting the federal services business, we knew we needed a holding company and we asked the, um, Deidre D's, I guess, what department is she called? Ar- archives. archives. Mm-hmm. Yes. We asked her for some tribal names. And unfortunately for me, the Muscogee Creek language is very difficult. So when we went down the list, there was about five that I could actually pronounce. And uh, Itchkey meant mother. And so we started Itchkey Holding Company to, to, to own the various subsidiaries that we would develop. Because in the government contracting, you have to create multiple entities because you have size standards and different codes you do the work in. And so we knew we'd have a lot of different companies and that's just the way the world works. And, um, and so Itchkey meant mother. And so that made a lot of sense. So it's the mother of all the little subsidiary companies and PCI aviation was the first and Mal became president of PCI aviation. And now PCI aviation has, 40 employees and three offices and probably do 20 million in revenue this year. And so, but Mal stepped out of that role last January 1st. And now he's at the corporate level with me as in strategic relations, but yeah. And so we still internally refer to ourselves as Itchkey, but it was hard to market the tribe Itchkey and the subsidiary company's name. It was a lot. So we, kind of branded ourselves PCI Federal Services and then all the subsidiaries fall into that because then you're branding the Porch Creek Indians and the subsidiary. There wasn't three entities to try to try to name. So it's Itchkey doing business as Porch Creek Indian Federal Services. And that's where all of those um it's eight A's, right? Yes. So that's the the federal contracting term, right, is eight A companies. Um and those are the minority owned companies, correct? Correct. Any minority yourself as a Native American can create an eight A. You can go fill out the paperwork and say, I want to be an eight A. It's very few people know how to navigate the paperwork. And an individual 8A has limitations. You can only get a contract for $4 million from the federal government. You can only have so much net worth. They're, they're a little bit limited. But tribes can, 
and you can only have one eight a for eight nine years, and that's all you can ever have. It's meant as an incubator program for minorities. Tribes have an advantage that they can start have an unlimited number of eight A's, and the government can give you a hundred million dollar contract. And eight A contracts don't have to go through bidding and proposal, so they can just hand it to you. It's a preference program on steroids, where the federal government can just award you a hundred million dollars work. What you really have to do is prove that you can do the work, so they won't just hand it to anybody. So, luckily, Mal had a background in aviation, and that's why we went with PCI Aviation. And then it takes a couple years to get a company going, but you know, each company has to have what's called a NACE code. And so PCI Aviation had an aviation NACE code, so we can go after aviation work. If you want to do construction, you got to start a construction company with a construction NACE code. But luckily, tribes can have an unlimited number of A-Days and receive unlimited size contracts, basically. So we're on, we just received this week our seventh A-Day certification with our company called H2PCI. And people that follow tribal resolutions probably see these names pop up. But it's actually a partnership between us and the Hawaiians, Hui Hui Ao, to uh, pursue State Department contracts. The Hawaiians came to us, and Hawaiian organizations don't have the same capabilities as we do. It's a weird 8A rule that they can only get $4 million contracts. So they need to partner with a tribe to get $100 million contracts. And they came to us and said, we have a State Department contact that will give us a $100 million contract if we have a partnership with a tribe. So we started the paperwork a year ago, and we got that 8A approved this week. So we're going through security clearance now, and we think within a couple months we'll get our first. We're going to get a $10 million contract, I think, with the State Department, and that will be through H2PCI. So all those entities have a purpose. It's not Chad likes creating paperwork. <laughs> that's so interesting, though, Chad. I mean, and I, I think that's um, that's so exciting that from, you know, year to year, you're able to, well, you and your team, you know, Cody and Mal and, and the rest of the team at CIE are able to um, branch out into some uh, new areas that I think about our elders and like my grandmother, my great grandmother, I don't think ever in a million years they would have thought we'd be doing the things that we're doing now and I think it's just absolutely phenomenal how we've been able to grow and take advantage of the opportunities that um, that we've been given and, and really to leverage those to our advantage. It's I mean, that's so exciting. And I can imagine for you as the CFO being able to be on the forefront of a lot of these opportunities, like you never know from week to week what you're going to see. And um, so, I mean, at least it sounds like you never have a day that's exactly the same. It doesn't sound like you have a lot of monotony in, uh, in the work that you do for the tribe. No, it, it's, it's incredible. I wouldn't trade this job for anything, even though I shouldn't say that too much, but, <laughs> but you know, we've got PCI support services today. They're in Wyoming looking at putting modular facilities around missile facilities, Missile missile sites to re, they're redoing all the missile sites out in the west and they need modular buildings. Well, we've our companies became well known for modular buildings by happenstance, and so you know we uh, you know we hired Justin Stable, our tribal member, to work for us, and he was on the deck of an aircraft carrier six months ago. He's just he's helping design wings for C one thirties out of Warner Robins. 
And he's like, I need to go see one of these things. I've never even seen a C-130 before. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you never know what you're going to see in this business, but you just stand ready when the federal government calls and you're like, okay, we'll find a company and find the people that can do it for you. So, Chad, with all of these new businesses and, and companies and um, 8A adventures that you guys are going on, what would you say the footprint of the tribe is? In as far as CETA is concerned, what does that look like these days from um, geographically? We, we really want to, you know, focus on Alabama. It, it, it's good PR. It's being a good citizen. It's, it's giving back to the state that's done so much, you know, f- with the, for the tribe and starting the economy, you know. But we, we you know, we're – We've had a little trouble on our military contracting. We've we want we built the whole company to focus on Huntsville, and we haven't gotten enough work out of Huntsville yet. We want to focus on you know Maxwell Air Force Base. We want to focus on Fort Rucker, um, you know. So we really we try to build our hotels in Alabama. You know, we we look Alabama first, but we'll we we'll take business anywhere in the country we can get it. You know, I see us growing drastically in the southeast predominantly but when you're in the government world you're going to be in dc you're going to be around the major military bases around the country and then hospitality wise i think we've got 10 projects on the table right now we were just giving the list to our board and all those are alabama Bay. so we'll probably keep our hospitality and real estate plays in the state of alabama and then government contracting we're, we'll well, there's a lot of defense dollars and government dollars spent in Alabama, and we, we, we will try to help serve the government how we can, but we'll go nationwide and worldwide if we have to. So do you think the future of CETA is leaning more heavily towards the government contracting and less towards hospitality and tourism? I think it'll be both. I, I mean, CETA... You know, oh, it was a big investment, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. We've got another hundred million put into hotels. Um, we've got, you know, 10 active hotel projects right now. You know, that's always going to be a major part of it is we've only invested $20 million in federal contracting. So, you know, we've got to make all these hospitality plays work and make money and make our name in hospitality. But, you know, as as fast as our government contracting is growing, it's going to grow really fast and catch up with what our hospitality is. But I think there'll be an equal focus. Our BD guy and Cody focus more on the hospitality side, and I'm my team and I are focused more on the government contracting side. Okay. So let me ask you this. OWA is what I think we would consider um, a greenfield project, right? right? So that was built completely from the ground up. And um, it was a project that was started um, by a different group of individuals, but we kind of came in and took over that and finished it out. Do you foresee us doing any greenfield projects in the future? I doubt on the scale of OA. <laughs> um, OA took a long-term vision and a long-term commitment. And, you know, sometimes people, you know, it's easy to say seven years ago, I'm ready to wait this out, but it's hard, you know, hard to do. Developing a hotel project from scratch is more like a two or three year turnaround and a little less risky than a retail multi-use development like OA is. Uh, I think we'll develop Greenfield hotel projects. We're looking at, you know, several around the state right now that, you know, they'll make good money and they're kind of high profile hospitality projects. 
but we'll also look just as closely at buying existing hotels that need a remodel or, you know, maybe we can help run a little better. So I think there will be Greenfield hotels, but nothing on the scale of OA. So everything can't possibly be butterflies and roses at CIE. I'm sure that you've got a few challenges that get thrown at you from time to time. Um, in the seven years that you've been working at CETA, with the exception of COVID, because that challenged all of us in ways we couldn't imagine, what are some challenges and how have you worked through those? Well, this year, the challenge is just like everybody else, it's been staffing. You know, we're looking for people at every company we have, every hotel we have. Um, wages have gone through the roof. And even when you pay wages going through the roof, it's hard to get people to come to work. Um, that is ongoing. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks like the economy is about to slow down a little bit here, so maybe people start looking for work again. Um, other other challenges is, you know, when we opened OA, you know, it didn't – we had five feasibility studies done by every expert, the state economist telling us we'd open the doors and make money hand over fist. You know, those first years we lost millions. Um, last year we broke even, you know, which was a victory. <laughs> uh, so it's – it, there has been challenges and there's always internal challenges. You know, people is a big one um, that we find, but it's not like anybody else. So for anybody that says, you know, I have a knack for finance and I think I would really like to get into the accounting world or CETA sounds like a place that, you know, I could really thrive at. Like what advice do you have for people that, um, maybe would want to get into um, the accounting world? Like, like what real-life advice do you have? Well, anybody that wants to get into the accounting world needs to, you know, their ultimate goal needs to be to get a C CPA certification because that's something people can't take away from you. It's like passing the bar exam when you're a lawyer. But, you know, now it's become a little more challenging. You have to have a five-year degree to set for the CPA exam. So if you truly want to go up the finance or accounting ranks, you know, you've got to have a commitment to a lot of education and, and, and getting that CPA certification. There's unlimited opportunities, though. We're looking for assistant controller at OA for – year you know there we've got staff accountant positions open all over um you can get out with an accounting degree and we can find a job for you probably <laughs> and i know tim spiegel and joe would probably say the exact same things um you know you you can the good thing is is you learn something at tribal government it's debits and credits it'll work over at CETA. you know it, it's a good foundation so you know take a job where you can with the tribe if you want to start internally and, and, you know, we, you can later go, go into maybe find your niche, you know, whether you want to be in hospitality with us or hospitality with Wing Creek or, or at OWA or, or if you want to get into the government contract accounting, you know, they're all slightly different. But there's a lot of varia variation in accounting that, you know, it's not just a boring set behind a desk. You know, we can put you in a business that's more exciting and, you know, as much as you want to take on operationally, too. And I'll tell you a funny story. Um, whenever I went back to school, I decided I was going to get my MBA. And one of the first, I think I was in my second semester at that point, and one of the classes that was on my schedule was statistics. Chad, I've always been like an A student. 
I was making single-digit grades in statistics. And so I had to go to the professor, and I said, look, I just I can't get it. I'm going online. I'm trying to find YouTube videos and, um, you know, academies online to help me learn statistics. And he said, look, is it me or is it math? And I said, oh, no, it's math. He said, you might want to reconsider getting your MBA. And so I moved to communication. So I commend anybody that has a mind for numbers because that is not my forte. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, But, yeah, I'm doing good to balance the checkbook, as they say. (laughs) Um, But, Chad, I appreciate so much what you and the team at CETA do um, what do you think the future of the tribe looks like, like maybe five years from now? Well, I know, you know, just my little part of the tribe, you know, I I see incredible growth at CEDA and PCI Federal Services. Um, there's so many opportunities. You know, luckily the, the federal government spends money like a drunken sailor, whether they have it or not, and uh, the – the hospitality sector strong. It rebounded from COVID. It rebounded from the Gulf Coast oil spill. Um, we're in a very fast-growing state, the Sun Belt. Baldwin County is incredibly growing. Madison County is growing really fast. So, you know, we're surrounded by, you know, people are moving to the south. Um, the, we've, we're in two good industries, hospitality and government contracting and real estate. Um, real estate over in the southeast is a no lose proposition, honestly. And so I always support the tribe continuing to buy land. It's like Keith says, they're never going to, they're not going to make any more. So, um, so I, I'm really bullish. You know, if you ask me to buy stock in, in my section of the tribe, I'd put all my savings into it because <laughs> I know we're going to do really well. Well, Chad, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you in this, in this time that you've shared with us and, um, all of your knowledge and expertise and, and just the information that you have um, been so free with today. So thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. I can't wait to have you back next week for my conversation with Brent Pinkston, who's Wind Creek Hospitality's Chief Operating Officer. If you've enjoyed A Place Called Port, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast.